0: and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. Uh, Today we're talking about approaching God in prayer. Approaching God in prayer. The previous two sessions we talked about the importance of prayer, and then uh, yesterday we talked about our authority in prayer. How, that we have a right to pray and we have a right to expect an answer to prayer. And that's the model that God created for his kingdom to grow and advance and rule in this earth uh, for the time of this church age, this age of grace that we're living in before Christ comes back and sets up his millennial reign on the earth. And so today we're talking about approaching God in prayer. Uh, you know, there is a way that we approach God in prayer. You think about it, we, we honor Systems and processes in every other area of life. Um, there's so many uh, so many things in life that we we do things in an order. We do things in a certain way, you know. And it's the same way with God. Uh, God's not a, not less than He's actually would be the highest place of honor that we hold in our life. Uh, him, His presence, His relationship that we we have with Him, His Word the Holy Spirit that indwells in us and makes us connected to God. Um, And there's a way that we approach God. There is a way that we approach God. And we're going to see this today. It's powerful. Um, You know, studying this last night, this morning, it is so rich and so powerful to see this Old Testament example, what we're going to look at in just a few moments. This Old Testament example and how it is so true and evident in today's New Testament church. Uh, but before we get started, let's read our main text. This is where we're reading every single time. I want these two passages of Scripture to be just burned in, tattooed into our spirit, just cemented in our thinking and in our mindset. I want it to become memorized. You know, th- this is something you could write down and memorize it. You could put it on a note on your phone. Um, Whatever you need to do, read it every day, make it part of your prayer time. I, I do that. I have so many, just dozens and dozens and dozens of scriptures I, I have that I read. Oftentimes, or that I pray. When I'm praying, I always pray with an open Bible. I mean, I, I, I just don't not pray with a Bible. I mean, if, you know, if I'm driving or something, I, I have to use my memory. But it, during my time of prayer every day, I, I have my Bible open and I'm, I'm just praying the Word and pr- worshiping the Word and singing the Word and rehearsing the Word. And so these two passages, get them in your heart. Get them in your heart. Let them cleanse your heart and your mind. Let them renew your mind and strengthen your spirit. All right, let's get started. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Of course, as always, if you haven't shared the broadcast, broadcast please do. Always appreciate that. Matthew 6, verse 5, Jesus says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the fakers, the pretenders. For they love to pray standing in synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. You know, we may pray out in public, but we don't pray to be seen by men. You know, it's not wrong. Jesus isn't saying it's wrong to, you know, bless the food at a family gathering of 20 30 people or or say a prayer you know if you were an, if you're a high school student watching this on Instagram you know it's not wrong to stand up before your class and pray at an FCA event uh, or, or over a football game. that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying hypocrites, fakers, pretenders they pray just to get some uh, just to get some praise from men um and that's wrong that's evil. Jesus says, "Surely I say to you, they have their reward." I, I hope you're at this point in your life, and I'm sure you are. Don't be impressed with what man can give you. Don't be impressed with what the world can give you. Don't be impressed with what man can give you. Now I'm saying, I'm just now saying, hey, Mr. Donnie, hey Beth, hey Jesse, Joe, Kim, Sh- Shirley, Suzanne, Ashley, Cindy, Sarah. Good to have you all. Don't be impressed with what men can have you, give you. Their reward is here today and gone tomorrow. Jesus makes this point. He says, but when you pray, go into your room, and when you've shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions, As the heathen do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Some people think, if I can just say enough, God will hear me. Therefore, don't be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask them. And then, of course, Mark 11, 24, tells us this. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Now today we're going to talk about approaching God in prayer and we're going to be we're going to use the entire chapter of Leviticus chapter 16. Leviticus chapter 16. We're going to be working our way through this chapter in Leviticus. Uh, Leviticus is a is a book of the Bible that when you're reading through the Bible you might think, wow, how can I get through this quicker? <laughs> Leviticus is one of those books where it's a hard read, especially if it's a King James Version Bible. You might you know, I read in King James, and I have a new King James, and I like both of them. I, I've just grown up, you know, memorizing and reading King James versions. So when I th- say things back in my memory or or confess those or say them, rehearse them, it, it comes out in that King James form just because that's what I grew up on. And still to this day, I love. Uh, but man, you get in Leviticus, there's so many different thing words going on and stuff and censors and robes and garments and bulls and goats and sheep. You, you know you grab for a for a paraphrase version at that time uh, but Leviticus is, is just as much gospel just as much word it's just as much uh, powerful word of God as any other word in the Bible and so Leviticus 16 this chapter in Leviticus is talking about the day of atonement you know the entire book of Leviticus is written to the Levite tribe Aaron Moses's brother making Moses a Levite as well. But Aaron had, he was the first of a priesthood, of the Levitical priesthood. And in the Old Testament, God set up a place. You know, he had a tabernacle. He had a place of meeting. The tabernacle was called the place of meeting. Literally, this is where we go to meet God. And God said, I'm going to form a priesthood. Now, God's original intentions was that the entire nation of Israel, be a priesthood. Get that. Not one tribe out of many, but the entire nation was to be a priesthood. But when they come before God, the people get scared off. They don't want to get rid of their sins. They're afraid to approach God. You know, Moses comes up and they hear Moses talking to God and they think, I don't want to have anything to do with all those, all those all thund- all the thunder and everything up there. That, that's scary. Oh, gosh. No, Lord. Moses, you go talk to God for us. And then so God creates a priesthood. He selects a tribe out of the tribes of Israel, the tribe of Levi, and he orders a priesthood, and he gives them instructions. This is how you come to me. This is how you approach me. And there's a way that we approach God. Now again, this is Old Testament, I understand, but in all this Old Testament teaching and instruction and command, there is New Testament instruction and command. And and what we're going to see is this. God still desires to have a kingdom of priests. God still to this day desires to have a kingdom of priests. So let's begin. Leviticus chapter 16, verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they offered profane fire before the Lord and died. Aaron had four sons, two of them sinned against God. They were drunk. They they just made a mockery of the things of God and God struck them down. Verse two, and the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron your brother not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. God's giving Aaron a way to come to him. Verse three, first point. In approaching God in prayer, point number one, verse three, thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood, with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and of a ram as a burn offering. The first step to approaching God in prayer is to appropriate God's grace. Why don't you put that in the comment section for me? Appropriate. God's grace. Appropriate God's grace. A-P-P-R-O-P-R-I-A-T-E. Appropriate God's grace. God's telling Aaron, when you come into my presence, you bring the blood of a bull and the blood of a ram. You know, here's the powerful thing as a New Testament believer. We no longer have the blood, have to bring the blood of bulls and goats to God, we come to God on the basis of the blood of Jesus. In fact, we see that in Ephesians chapter 2, 13, it says that we who once were far off have now been made close by the blood of Jesus. And so we appropriate God's grace in prayer. The reason we have a right to come to God in prayer is because God has given us grace to come to Him in prayer. He has made away the divide that was created by sin, he has restored it through grace. Through his son Jesus, he's made a bridge unto us through, through grace. And, and 1 John 1 is a powerful understanding of this. 1 John 1, verse 9, many of you probably have this committed to memory too. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness you know we appropriate God's grace in prayer we come to God you don't have to be afraid to stand in the presence of God as a child of God now if we're not right with God if there's sin in our life uh, then we got to get the sin out we've got to get that sin clean you know if you're a sinner If you're not born again, the the prayer that God's going to hear is the prayer of you crying out for salvation. And he hears that prayer. But I don't have a right if I'm not saved, if I'm not a Christian, if I'm a sinner, I don't have a right to petition a holy God and demand of him to do something on my behalf. I don't have a right to demand and think I will entertain the presence of a holy God if I'm not holy and clean. But as a born-again believer, I have a right. I have a privilege to enter in to the presence of God because I've appropriated God's grace. I've confessed and repented of sin. And He is faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me and make me clean. And He cleanses us of all unrighteousness. And that's the second point I want you to see in this. In Leviticus 16, verse 4, Aaron shall put the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body. Aaron was to bring a sacrifice and he was to do it clothed in a holy set apart linen tunic, a long shirt, this long covering. He had this long shirt that he put on him, made out of linen. The second thing we do in approaching God in prayer is to put on righteousness. I want you to put that in the comment section. Type, put on righteousness. We are to put on righteousness. You can have a boldness in prayer. Some people don't have a boldness in prayer because they think they're doing it out of their own strength or they think they have to make God feel bad enough about their situation to get Him to listen or do something. Well, Lord, don't you understand this is wrong this is what's going on and i know you got a lot going on lord but i don't want to bother you much i don't i don't talk to you a whole lot i don't want to bother you but i just just this one time god if there was ever a time you were going to help me right now mm -mm. boldly enter into the presence of god the bible tells us in hebrews 4 16. we boldly enter because we've appropriated the god god's grace we're clean, get cleaned up of sin. What if I have sin today? Get clean. God forgive me. Cleanse me. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that again by the power of the Holy Spirit. Help me to never do that again. And then you move forward and you put on righteousness. We put on the righteousness of God. Ephesians chapter four. This is a powerful, powerful spiritual understanding right here. We put off the old man and put on the new man. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. Ah, let's just start at 20. I don't know if you popped the lower third with the wrong verse. That's all right. I'll make a full sentence of it. Ephesians 4, 20. But you've not so learned Christ, if indeed you've heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. We put off the old man, verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, verse 24, and put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You put off, hey Donnie, good to see you. You put off unrighteousness the old man, the nature that was filled with deceitful lust that grew corrupt, and you put on the new man that is created in God in true righteousness and holiness. Just like Aaron could go before the presence of God in the tabernacle, in the meeting place, in the Old Testament... And in the fear of the Lord, just like we do, we do it in the fear of the Lord, but he could boldly enter in because he knew he was doing what was required of him. And here's the thing. God gave them instructions of what to do and then gave them the ability to do it. It's the same way with with God in the New Testament. As a New Testament believer, as part of this priesthood of believers, we too put on righteousness. We put on what God has said about us. That's why you you can't talk about yourself as a sinner. If you're saved and Jesus is your Lord, you're not a sinner. The Bible doesn't call you a sinner. The Bible calls you a saint. The Bible calls you a holy one. The Bible calls you someone set apart. So don't dog down what God has made brand new. If you put off the old man, there's only one option to put on the new man. And by the power of the Holy Ghost, You put on this new man which is clothed in true righteousness and holiness. And it's from that place of being righteous and being holy that you can boldly come before God. You must approach God in righteousness. Here's the thing. The Bible tells us, apart from holiness, no man shall see God. The book of Hebrews says, apart from holiness, no man shall see God. And the Bible also tells us, Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 5, the pure in heart. Blessed are they that are pure in heart, for they shall see God. Notice that. Blessed are those that are pure in heart, for they will see God. It's not just talking about, I'm going to see God in heaven. No, in my time of prayer, I'm going to see God. In my life, I'll see the hand of God. In my daily walk of faith, I'm going to see God. If you believe you're going to see God, I want you to type that in the comments. I see God. (laughs) I, I see God in my life. I see God in the fellowship of my church and his saints. I see God in the word. I see God in my prayer time. Because I'm pure in heart. Not because of my own works. I'm pure in heart because of the blood of Jesus. I'm pure in heart because of what Christ has done for me. Because he's made me true, clothed me with true righteousness and holiness. Not my works, Christ's works. Now, notice this. In Leviticus 16, we're still in 16, verse 4. Aaron, so far, he's got blood. He's appropriated the grace. He's put on this holy tunic, he's put on righteousness. Verse 4, next part. He shall be girded with a linen sash. He's going to put this belt around his midsection his bowels the bible would call it this place where your soul lives you're in you, the gut of you you know if you ever get something you know terrible happens it's it's not up here that hurt it's here oh my goodness you feel it here inside of you that's where this sash is going is around this section where the soul of man is here and Aaron's wrapping this sash this holy sash, linen sash, around him. The third thing we do when we approach God, we put on truth. We put on honesty. You probably, the moment I said that, when you're thinking about, well, you, you're talking about truth and, and you, you got your hands around where your belt's at. If you're thinking about the armor that is in the book of Ephesians, that's exactly where I'm going. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. The Bible tells us in this New Testament example, Ephesians six fourteen. Stand therefore, having girded, cinched up, wrapped around, fortified your waist with truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, we put on truth. Notice there, breastplate of righteousness, right? That tunic we just talked about. We cover ourselves with righteousness, and then we gird up that righteousness with truth. We gird up the righteousness with truth. We put on truth and honesty. We have to come to God in sincerity, in prayer. In order for prayer to be successful, we have to come to Him with a true and honest heart. You know, you can't play games with God. God knows us, right? We might be able to fool some people, uh, but we can't fool God. He knows the depths of our hearts. He understands why we do things, why we say things. He knows the motives of our heart. He knows why the intentions of what we do. He understands that good and bad. So it doesn't matter if I, if you will, say the right words. If my heart's not honest, if my heart's not true, then I can say the right words. Remember, prayer is not a magic spell. Prayer is not this spell that I work and, and say and if I just say the right words in the right order, you know, abracadabra, it's done. That's not prayer. Prayer is a communion with a holy God, with the one true God. And it's me communing with Him and having His will be brought out and brought through my life. That's what prayer is. And it has to be done from a place of honesty, from a place of truth. Psalms 24 King David wrote this, verse 3, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who will stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who's not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. You want to stand in the holy place of God? You want to be in the place of God's presence? You want to be surrounded by the presence of God? It's at a place where the foundation is truth. Honesty is the foundation which we stand before the Lord in prayer. We put on truth. We put on honesty. In approaching God, the next thing we have to do is this. We've got to clean ourselves up with the Word. I'll, I'll, someone write in the comment section, clean yourself up. Clean yourself up. If there is there a soap emoji? That would look good in there. A soap emoji, a brush emoji. Clean yourself up. Leviticus 16.4 same verse, he's put on this tunic, he's girded himself up with truth, and it says this, these are holy garments, last part of verse 4. Therefore, he shall wash his body in water and put them on. You know, we clean ourselves. I see you doing it. Yeah, there's the soap. Clean yourself up with the Word. We cleanse ourselves with the Word of God. The Word of God will make us clean It will wash away. It will wash away any dirt. It washes away any grime. It washes away any unrenewed parts of the mind. The Word of God makes us clean. Just like Aaron had to make sure he was physically clean to enter the presence of God, we too make sure we're spiritually clean by the Word of God. We prep our spirit. Uh, You know, you can have a... I've done both. Uh, some people like to pray. Uh, like to pray, then read the word. Some people like to read the word, then pray. Maybe you want to pray in the mornings and read your Bible at night, or read in the morning before you go out for work, and then pray at night before you go go to bed. Whatever your habit is, maybe you want to do it together in the middle of the day. I don't know. I've done both. Um, it tends for me, for whatever reason, I guess it's probably easier logistic-wise, for me to pray first, first thing I do when I get up in the morning. Because I know if I can get that time of prayer set aside and and in prayer and, and get my heart right with the Lord, then nothing else can eat away with it. And then I can find time and steal time away in reading the Word because we have access to it so many different ways. You know, it's a little bit easier to take your Bible and on lunch break pop it out and read it, you know, 15, 20 minutes before you go back to work and start back working than it is maybe to pray in the Holy Spirit laid up in the lunchroom over in the corner while people, everyone else are eating. You know, it, it's just maybe a little bit easier to do that. Uh, but either way, you can do it either way, go about it either way. But it's important to have the Word and prayer connected. Because again, the Word is our manual for prayer. God's Word, He's given us what to pray. And we bring that back to Him. And as we study the Word, read the Word, hide it in our hearts, it cleans us up. And it makes us clean so that there's nothing inside of us that will inhibit or hinder our prayers. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, uh, 26 says, that He might sanctify and cleanse her, Jesus the church, with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her, the church, to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. The word has a power to clean you up to to where you are without spot and blemish that it keeps the spot blemish. And thank God, hey, it's just like a shower. Uh, you you, you're, you should be praising God that I've not taken one shower for the whole year. Well, you know, bless God, I took a shower on January 1st. What do I need to do it again this year for? No, you, you should be running and shouting the next time you have to get around me that I shower every day. Sometimes twice if I have to, who knows? <laughs> but it's, it's no different with the things of the Spirit, even more so. Even more so, because most of us probably don't get as dirty physically as much dirt. Imagine how much dirt gets flung at our spirits every day. The moment you flip that TV on, the moment you open up the phone and start scrolling on Instagram, Facebook, the moment you you open up the email, you're around someone talking, news, dirt's getting flung everywhere. People are pitching mud everywhere. I mean, you probably get more opportunity to be spiritually dirty than physically dirty, soulishly dirty than physically dirty. So we have to take the word and wash us up, clean us up. Because when I go to God and approach God in prayer, I don't want anything. I don't want no dirt on me. I don't want to have anything affecting my prayer life. I don't want to have anything putting me in a place where I'm not in just total communion with God. There's nothing, there's no thought, there's no opinion, there's no desire that's worth severing, hurting, tamping down, restricting my flow and connection with God in prayer. It's just not worth it. Next thing we see here in Leviticus 16, verses 12 and 13. So jump down a few verses. Then Aaron shall take a censer. It's this, this device that, has this, uh, that lets out smoke as a flame that just is smoking this incense. A censer f- full of burning coals. So he has coals of fire from the altar before the Lord with his hands full of sweet incense beaten fine and bring it inside the veil and he shall put the incense on the fire in the censer before the Lord that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the testimony, lest he die. You know, when you come before God, when you approach God, you have to approach God with worship and praise. Approach God with worship and praise. Why don't you type in the comment section, worship and praise. There's a part of prayer, and I believe it's gonna be this Friday, of course, tomorrow, Thursday and Friday, 12 p.m. to 1 p.m., I'm gonna be live again, and then every day next week, Monday through Friday, So we've got several more sessions to go. Make sure to make plans to join me. But Friday, I believe, is when we're going to work through the model prayer that Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 6 that many people call the Lord's Prayer. And he talks about the first thing you do. You pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed or holy or magnified is your name. You know, we go before God. We have to go before God with worship and praise. Psalms 104 tells us that, right? Many of you know this. I think there's even an old-time song uh, that, that sings the words of this psalm. But Psalms 100 verse 4 tells us, not tells us, but commands us. It commands us, Psalms 100 verse 4, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. We, if we're going to go in the presence of God, the presence of God demands worship. The holiness of God, the might and majesty and glory of God demands worship and praise. It just draws it out. The, the Bible, God talks about this. He says, I'm, I can." the rocks and trees will cry out. If there is no human on the earth that will give me up praise, creation itself will begin to shout and glorify my name. Think about it. In heaven right now, there are angelic hosts that are continually worshiping and praising God. We can see this in the book of Revelation. Other times we get to view into heaven through the Bible. The presence of God demands praise and worship. And if I'm going to approach God, if I'm going to enter into the presence of God, I've got to do it with praise and worship. I've got to do it with singing and clapping and rejoicing and dancing. I've got to do it with a thankful heart. I have to do it with a heart set apart and sanctified with worship and praise. And when you begin to just settle your mind and heart, oh, Miss Beverly, she's in the spirit. She, she, She got there before I did. Hebrews 13.15 is what she's referring to. Hebrews 13.15, that was the next thing I'm going to point. I'm going to have Miss Beverly just come over here and teach this. (laughs) Hebrews 13.15, concerning the sacrifice of our lips. Hebrews 13.15, therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. We give thanks to the name of God by offering praise, by offering worship. It is a sacrifice of praise. Why is it? You Maybe ask yourself this question. Why does every church service start with worship? Because we're entering into the presence of God. Worship is not the time that, you know, it's not service starts for our church. You know, a lot, I know a lot of gospel tabernacle folk are watching. Different people maybe you're watching you go to a different church. On Instagram, go to a different church. You know, It's not your church starts at 10.30 and there's actually a 25-minute buffer time called worship, and I'm not actually late as long as I get there before the last song's over. The point of worship at church is for us as a congregation to come and prep our hearts and get our hearts and minds ready and begin to declare the glory of God and the majesty of God so that I can enter into His presence, so that I can receive from Him, from His Word by the Holy Spirit through the minister that God's given a gift through. That's the point of worship in a church. Amen. That's the, that's the, that's the point of worship in your prayer life. You should worship in your prayer life. Uh, and, and it's, once you develop a habit, you can develop a habit of praise, and you should. And here's the thing, man, I've gotten times of prayer. I have a certain amount of time I pray. Jesus talked about the, the hour of prayer. I think that's a good mark to work up to. Uh, have, you know, there, we could easily burn an hour watching TV, uh, or scrolling Facebook, or doing this and that. I think an hour time of prayer is great, you know, each day. You, you could easily, let me tell you something. You might think, well, I have so many things I want to ask God to do for me, and those are right. It's You should petition God. It would be a disgrace and a dishonor for you to think that God can do all things, but you won't ask him to intervene in your life. You should. I'm not making light of petitions. But you can get before God, and when you really get a hold of the process of praise and worship, let's say you're in, a, in praying to God for 30 minutes, you could spend 22 minutes worshiping God. And eight minutes would be enough to pray the will of God, to pray the word of God, to petition God, to believe God for your needs, to believe God for anything else you need and finish it off. I'm talking like 80% of your prayer could just be worship and praise and magnifying the name of God and exalting the name of God and exalting the person and nature of God. And your prayer life would just explode. If you know what I'm talking about, Put, let me know in the comments section. I, I know, I know, some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. You can get hung up in that time of prayer and praise. Again, we, we are to ask God things. You, you should ask God. Bible says, "We have not because we ask not." There is a necessary of ask, necessity to ask, but praise is so powerful and so necessary in entering in to the presence of God. Now, think about this. We're still thinking about this priesthood of Aaron this command that God's giving him to enter into the tabernacle in Leviticus 16, the next thing you need to do, you've got to separate yourself. I want you to put that in the comment section. Separate myself. Separate myself. I I want you to make it personal. Separate myself. Leviticus 16, 17. There shall be no man in the tabernacle of meeting when Aaron goes in to make the atonement or the high priest in the holy place until he comes out that he may make atonement for himself, his household and, his, and the nation of Israel, the assembly of Israel. God's telling Aaron and the generation of Levites who will serve God in the tabernacle, he's telling him when you go to make atonement, when you go into the presence of God, no one else can be in this tabernacle. It's you and God. And you've got to separate yourself. You know, that's an important habit and discipline to build. Prayer, it's not to say, I'm not saying that. Wherever you're at right now, you can't just, you know, I'm, while well, I'm at work, you're saying I can't talk to God if I'm around people. Sure, you absolutely can. You can call on God anywhere, at any time, and by faith he'll hear you. It's that simple. But the point I'm making here is you need to have a habit of withdrawing from everyone else and everything else and getting alone with God. Power, a powerful prayer life is one that is willing and really desires to get alone with God. With the Father, Matthew 6, in the secret place. That verse that we've read, our main text that we've read every day now, it says when we don't, you're not outside praying to everybody. Hey, look at me, y'all, I'm praying. Listen to this prayer. I just wrote a new one. It's not that. It's don't be like the hypocrites to be seen of men. Come in, go to your prayer closet, shut the door, and in the secret place, you'll meet your Father. And he'll reward you openly. What you earn, <laughs> what, you, what you receive in the secret place will be displayed in the open. How do we know someone's praying? We can see it manifest in their life. But the point here that's being made is you've got to set yourself apart from this world. Not just being holy. We've already covered that. I'm talking about practically getting in a place to pray to pray to God. I'm talking about practically getting away from distractions. You've got to get away from distractions. You've got to turn the cell phone on do not disturb. Turn it off, put it in the other room. You know, we. I'm thankful for technology, but when I'm praying, I take my paper Bible uh, because my paper Bible, it never needs to be charged. There's no notifications that drop down. I'm not reading and all of a sudden ding on the page. Oh, a notification I get no emails it doesn't remind me hey you need to stop and uh, or you need to take a break from sitting and go walk it doesn't tell me all these things you have 972 more steps before you can eat lunch it doesn't tell me all these things my paper Bible it's good to have technology but you may need to turn that off turn the TV off it's good to pray with your family you should pray with your family you should pray with your spouse You should pray with your children, but you have to get a time alone every day, every day, and separate yourself and pray to God. Lord, it's just me and you. God, it's just me and you, and this is what I want. This is the way I want it. I want just me and you. It's good to pray in church. You should be found among the believing brethren. You should be found among brothers and sisters in God. You should pray in church, but just praying in church isn't enough. Every day, Lord, I, I'm I'm here. This is my prayer closet. Where's my prayer closet? Sometimes it's been a real closet. some You know, or a spare bedroom, down in the living room when everyone else is asleep. I, I don't know what it looks like, what your life looks like, how it's structured. But you have to separate some time in the day. This is my time that I pray to God and nothing else gets to be a part of it. No one else gets to be a part of it right now. I've got time. Oh, I'm going to love and play with my daughter. Yes, I'm going to spend so much time with my wife. Absolutely. I'm going to be part of church. I'm going to do all these fun activities, go places, do these things. But this time each day, that's my God time. And and I'm going to make a point to honor that time. Aaron did it. God said, no other man comes in this tabernacle with you. Just you. Just you. Now, in doing all this, you've got to believe. This is the seventh point that I want you to see. We're running through a list here of approaching God. Seventh thing believe. Type it in the comment section. Just type believe. Leviticus 6, 16, 18 through 19. And Aaron shall go out, or the high priest, to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it, and shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar all around. And he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times. Cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleanliness of the children of Israel. You've got to believe. Believe in the power of the blood. You know, why, why is it? Why seven times? Why, why take the blood from this bull, Lord, and, you know, sprinkle it seven times with his fingers? What for? Because God said so. Is there something magical about seven? God said to do it seven times. Six is too little. Eight's too much. God said seven. I believe when I do it seven times, the blood will consecrate and cleanse the sins of Israel. Same thing. How do you know you're saved? Bible says I am. Bible says that if I believe in my heart, Jesus is the risen Son of God, and I confess with my mouth, Jesus is my Lord, I am saved. I'm a new creation. How do you know the Bible says, how do you know you're a new creation? The Bible says I'm a new creation. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything's become new. How do you know God answers your prayers? Because God said, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. That's how I know God answers my prayers. Because I believe, I'm a believer. It's just who I am. If you cut me open from the top of my head, you just slice me in half and open me up, all you're going to see is belief just dripping out of me. I'm just a believer. I'm a believer. It's just who I am. It's, it's in me. It's my nature. And I believe it's the same for you that's watching. If you're a believer, why don't you put in that comment section. I feel that. Just say, I'm a believer. I'm a believer, not a doubter. I've got no room for doubt, no room for fear, for failure or unbelief, just like Pastor talked about Sunday. I am a believer. And I just believe, I just believe that if I approach God on the basis of his word, he hears my prayers. We're coming to a close. So if you have any prayer requests, go ahead and begin to put those in the comment section. Laura's going to help me out as we get ready to pray today. We're coming on the close of this lunchtime hour. And man, I'm so thankful. What a wonderful crowd. I'm so thankful for all y'all joining me. So many friends, I appreciate you and love you so much. All right, the next thing you got to do when you approach God, you got to give him glory. Leviticus sixteen twenty-five: the fat of the sin offering, he shall burn on the altar. The fat on the sin offering he shall burn on the altar. Now you might think, AJ, I've went with you all this whole way, man. I'm right there with you. But now you're telling me about fat on an altar. What in the world? How does that have anything to do with us in the New Testament? The fat of an offering represents excess. Just like fat on my body means I have a little extra. Fat represents extra excess. God gets the glory. God gets the extra. God gets the excess. Uh, Isaiah 42 verse 8 says this, I am the Lord, that is my name. In my glory, I will not give to another. In my praise, I will not give it to dumb idols. The glory that we have, we give it to God. We give all glory to God. We give all praise and worship to God. And we magnify God. And even in our lives, look, your, the life you live outside of your prayer closet determines the power that your prayer closet has. You can't live one way in the prayer closet and live a different way outside the prayer closet and expect your prayers to answer. It just won't happen. But when you decide, I'm going to live this prayerful life, then God gets the extra. God gets the extra. He gets my time. He gets some of my time. He gets some of my money. He gets my thoughts. He gets my imaginations, my emotions. He gets some of, my da- some of the days of my weeks. He gets the extra. He gets the excess. God gets the glory. Now, at this point, we wash our petitions in the Word of God. We wash our petitions in the Word of God. Just like Aaron, verse 26, he's done all these things. And then verse 26, it says, He who has released the goat as the scapegoat shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water. Now notice this, and then he'll come into the camp. He's washing himself to come into the camp. You might think, well, we already talked about cleansing ourselves with the Word. Yes, absolutely. But what I'm talking about is presenting Word-based request. I like that phrase. Write that in the comment section. Word-based request. Philippians 4, 6 tells us to be anxious in nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplications pres- present present your petitions to God. Philippians 4, verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God. Wash your prayers in the word word of God. The worder, the word of God. Just just imagine, imagine if I could hold my prayer as a ball in my hand, and then stick it under the spigot of the word of God. I want to submit this prayer with the word just dripping and running all over the prayer. That's how I'm bringing my pre- presenting. That's how I'm bringing my petitions to God, just soaked and saturated in the Word. So, what does that look like? Well, I know God desires healing for my body, my physical body. So, when I come before the Lord, Lord, I thank you. I'm receiving healing. Maybe there's a need in your body. Lord, I believe in Jesus' name. I'm receiving healing. Let's say this, y'all. I receive healing in this shoulder. I thank you, Lord God, you made this shoulder. In the book of Genesis, you said that you are, you made man. Let us make man in our own image. Well, Lord, you made this shoulder when you made man. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, that Jesus Christ bore stripes on his back, Isaiah 53, so I wouldn't have to carry pain. He carried my pains, so I don't have to carry a pain in my shoulder, in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, Matthew 8, or 8, verse 16 and 17 says that the words of the prophet Isaiah were fulfilled this day, that he would, you know, bear our iniquities and, and take up our sicknesses and bear our infirmities. And so you bore it, Jesus bore it, I don't have to carry it in Jesus' name. First Peter 2.24 says that by his stripes we were healed. Looking back to Calvary, I thank you, I don't have to have pain in this shoulder in Jesus' name. That's a word-soaked prayer. I'm soaking it with the word of God. I'm washing it with the word of God. And then lastly, you live in this place of the anointing. you live in this place of the flow of the Holy Spirit. You don't hear in the Old Testament they had to go back and forth. This is a one-time event. The day of atonement was a yearly event. This for us is a lifestyle in Leviticus 16:32 and the priest who is anointed and consecrated to minister as priest in his father's place shall make atonement. Verse 33, And he shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary and for the tabernacle of meeting and the altar and for the priests and the people of the assembly. See, he was anointed to do this. You are anointed to approach God. You are anointed to pray. You are anointed to have a powerful prayer life. You are part of the priesthood of God. 1 Peter 2, 5, also, as living stones being built up as a, whole, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 9, you are, you, you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. I hope you see this. I hope you see it more than ever. You have a right to enter into prayer because you're a priest of God. And just like that Old Testament priesthood had a way to approach God, God's given us a way to approach God. And we can boldly enter in to the presence of God anytime, all the time, with our petitions. All right, we're coming up on a close, 12.53. If you've got any prayer requests, we have any come up? None? Okay, perfect. No problem. We're going to pray again. If you have a prayer request, just go ahead and shoot it in through. Uh, If we don't see it live, we'll go back and we'll get it. We'll make sure to pray for you afterwards as well. But we're going to take this time, these next few minutes, I want you to pray with me. Wherever you're at, you're at work, you're at home, whatever you're doing, I want you to pray with me. I want you to pray with me. Your prayers change things. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, righteous woman, uh, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man doeth good, it availeth much, it does a whole lot of good, it availeth much, it does a lot of good. Effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, of a person in right standing with God can get a whole lot done. And your prayers get a whole lot done. So won't we pray? Let's pray these next few minutes as we close out the broadcast. Let's pray for our church. And when I say church, you know, of course, a lot of gospel tyrannical folk are here. But I also want to pray just the body of Christ in America. I want us to pray this. Philippians 1, 9, and 11 tells us that we are to pray and believe that we are filled with a spirit of love and a spirit of judgment, a spirit of discernment to know what's right and wrong. So understanding that God wants to fill us with His love, And with truth and judgment, I want us to pray that that spirit come on us as a whole in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, Lord, and I bless your name. I thank you for your goodness, God. I thank you, Lord God, for your spirit that fills us and makes us alive unto you, Lord. I thank you, Father God, that you make us alive unto you by the blood, Lord. I thank you for the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus, it still works today. It is ever effectual. It is ever powerful to save and cleanse from sin. And even today, the blood testifies. The blood of Jesus testifies that we have been saved and we are children of God brought close to you Father God and we thank you for it Lord we thank you Lord we can enter in to your presence Lord God boldly and triumphantly knowing that what we ask of you you hear and grant in Jesus name now father we pray according to your word Lord God let a spirit of love come on us as believers let a spirit of the love of Christ let the spirit of the love of Christ Jesus permeate through our minds in our bodies in our spirits Lord God let us love one another as we love ourselves, Father God even as your word said Lord that we shall be known by our love for one another. Let us as a church here in Gospel Tabernacle, in churches in Lawrence County, in South Carolina, in the nation and across the earth, let the body of Christ be easily identified by the love that we have for one another. Let the love of Christ draw us unto truth and into honesty. Let the love of Christ keep us pure from sin. Let the love of Christ keep our feet along the path of righteousness. Let the love of Christ put us in a place that we treat one another with kindness, humility, meekness, and honor, Lord. In Jesus' name, and Lord, by the Holy Spirit, give us a spirit of judgment, a spirit of discernment, A spirit of knowing what is right and what is wrong. Because your word says, Lord, in these last days, many shall fall away from the truth. Lord, we don't want to fall from the truth. We don't want to be deceived. Keep our hearts and our minds deception-proof by the power of your word and the flow of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, let the Spirit of the Holy Ghost, his discerning work, work in us. So when we hear a voice, we know whether it's the voice of God or another voice that we will ignore and shun. When we see something, we will know whether it's true and righteous or whether it's wrong and unholy and we have no part or lot in it, Lord. Let your discerning work work in us, God, so that if there be anything in us, any opinions, any thoughts, if it doesn't line up with the truth of God, show us how to judge it rightly and remove it from our life, Lord God, so that we can be filled with the fruits of righteousness Lord. Fill us with the fruits of righteousness. Let our life be like a branch heavy laden loaded down with righteous fruit so that many might see the presence and power of God in Jesus name. If you agree and believe it won't you type amen in the comment section and I will see you tomorrow. Man, I've, I've enjoyed it again today. Of course, today's Wednesday. Tonight at Gospel Tabernacle, 7 p.m., we have adult Bible study. Come join us in person. It's also live streamed, and we have classes for the whole family, girls' ministries, Royal Ranger Ministries, boys' and girls' ministries. Come and join us, 7 p.m. tonight. Get ready. It's going to be exciting. And tomorrow I'll be back live, Facebook and YouTube and Instagram live. I'll see you then, 12 p.m. tomorrow. I'm thankful for you. I hope you have a blessed day. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this faith-filled message. Please connect with us at our website, GospelTabernacleChurch.com, so we can continue to be a part of your faith walk. And if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, now is the time to do that. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins on the cross. And you have raised Him from the dead that I might be alive in Him. Jesus, I confess, You are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. You're now in the family of God. You're a child of God. Connect with us. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. We want to be right there alongside you as you walk out this journey of faith in Christ. God bless you.